Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you are about to listen to another episode of Treks in Sci-Fi. This is a a, a very special episode of Treks in Sci-Fi. <laughs> they don't do that on TV anymore, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> I always miss that. I I do miss that. But uh, and I've got a couple of people on Skype with me. We're going to review the book uh, Cytonic by Brandon Sanderson. And I have Jen with me from hopefully warmer than it is here, uh, Texas. Oh, hopefully you're warmer than the, let me see, what what's the temp right now? 18 degrees here. So. Wow. Yeah, uh, it is. Are you warmer than that, I hope, at least? Yes. Hi, Jen. <laughs> Thank God. Hello. <laughs> That's good. So, and Rick Pete from, it's probably just about as cold your neck of the woods, right, Rick? How is it in uh, the Chicagoland area? Oh, it's just uh, balmy fourteen out here. Oh, 14. You win. You win the bet. You win the. You win. You win. Yeah, it's well. You know, you guys usually are. We're supposed to get. We're supposed to be uh, super, super cold tomorrow here. You're usually just a little ahead of us on like whatever you get today. We kind of get it tomorrow, kind of more or less. So. Um, yeah, we are very generous people over here. Yes, yes, we love to share winter. We, we like to share it. You know. But, I um, wish you would keep it to yourselves. We get your blue northerns all the time. Uh, but by the time it gets down here, it's yeah, at least 20. Yeah, least you 20, guys. 30. I know you guys get stuff down there, but the but it never seems to last for very long. So, I mean, we had, like, not to make this. Depends the, on what part of Texas. The weather podcast, but, you know, we had, like, yeah. two and a half to three weeks where it was never above freezing. Like, mm-hmm. all day. Like, you know, day and night. So yeah. Anyway, but um, but yeah, this is the time of year where <laughs> it's good to just read books and, and talk about them and and just yeah, just stay inside, I guess. But um, but yeah, we and we were just looking this up before we started officially recording. This is I don't know. Did I say this is show eight fifty two yet? I don't think I did. Eight fifty two for February thirteenth, twenty twenty two, and which is a crazy. Those are both crazy numbers to me. And uh, it'll be Super Bowl tomorrow when when this goes out. That um, not that I'm all that really interested in the Super Bowl. I can't. Right, or Rick? Do you sit down and watch it? Jen, do you watch it? What, I mean, everyone kind of watches it, don't they? Don't not know. anymore. No, I don't watch. <laughs> I don't watch anymore. I just. Yeah, no, my wife and I like to watch it. We yeah, to, it's. We used to do you know Super Bowl parties, but now it's just the two of us sit and watch it. And... Nobody does parties anymore, right? You know, or all, or if they do parties, it's over um, Zoom or Skype or, <laughs> or or True FaceTime enough. or or whatever digital, you know, virtual. Or outside in Texas. Or outside, yeah, yeah. There's uh, yeah, ble- <laughs> complete complete unrelated thing, but we're gonna end up at uh, Lynn and I are gonna end up at three weddings this year. So the only yeah. reason I'm mentioning it is because you said outside and, and, and they're all going to be, I think they're all going to be outside weddings, I think. So, um, 
which are always nice anyway. But um, and it'll be warmer. But anyway, the um, the point here today, and we I was about to say we I, we were trying to track this down before we started to record, which is. This is a third book in a, in a series that we've all been reading as kind of almost as they've been coming out. Uh, it it um, it started with a book called Skyward, uh, and then there was a book called Starsight, and and I think what we could what we could find when we looked up we we officially reviewed Skyward. We never really did S- Starsight, and now we're at the third book, Cytonic. All by Brandon Sanderson. I know Jen's read other books of his. I've read other books mm-hmm. of his. Re- really good writer. Really like his style. He's uh, my favorite. I, I don't remember Rick Pete. Do you, have you read other books of of his or just these? Uh, just these. Just these. So okay. Far. Yeah, I he's mean, got a I lot really of great like it, so. great stuff in in, a, in not just the, you know this is basically pretty much sci fi, but fantasy things and and just yeah i i really really like his stuff and uh the thing i really like about him is is and then we'll get into a little more detail here but i always find that he writes and maybe it's because i'm listening to the audio that helps i think a little bit too but it's very visual to me it's very easy when i'm hearing Mm -hmm. these books to visualize what's going on they 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 seem more or less you know almost designed to be like made into a movie or a TV show. They're very, I don't know, they feel like, I don't know how to describe it, but they, but they maybe it's just the way he describes the people, the, the scenes or whatever. Um, but that, that's what the impression I got. What do you, what do you guys think? Do you feel that too? Or? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's very visual. I, I like his character development too. And the dialogue is really good. And, um, yeah, he he um, is primarily a fantasy writer, and this series of books is his first foray into sci-fi, which I think he's um, he's nailed <laughs> fairly well. He's pretty good at it. He also has a podcast for anyone out there who likes um, writers' podcasts. It's called um, oh, good grief, what is it? it it's writing prompts, I think. Um, and they they he and three other he he actually teaches uh, or he used to be a professor, I think at Brigham Young, and he teaches writing. And the three other writers sit around and they give each other um, ideas, and they all come up with ideas for stories, which I think is fun. Yeah, I was looking a little bit at his Wikipedia, and it talks about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And um, but um, so the what I thought we could start off with at least, and here's the gener- generic, you know, whoop whoop whoop. That that's my uh, spoiler alert sound officially for this week, but um, <laughs> but the but the uh, you know I wanted to at least briefly talk about in general terms like what the other books to people you know whether you've read them or not. I mean, and again, I'm hoping that you guys have read them if you're listening to this. I mean, there will be some spoilers for certainly this third book, but maybe not super detail. You know, I suppose you could probably still hear what we're gonna say without completely spoiling it it depends some people don't seem to mind some people find that even hearing enough about it you know makes them want to want to read or or watch something and that it doesn't really bother them that much but you know whatever you ha- you make that choice for yourself but the so the first book skyward basically introduced you know this situation which i don't know how to sum it up here it basically <laughs> It's sometime way in the future, 
you know, a, a, a chunk of humanity that is left on this on this detritus, this planet, right? And mm-hmm. or is it a moon? Is it isn't it a moon? It's not maybe really a planet. I don't remember. Um, but but anyway, they're they're in a pretty bad situation, and and they're basically being hunted by this the you know these aliens of some kind that they don't really know that much about and, and they're trying to learn more but it, 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 you know they're they're just trapped on this planet yeah. essentially and and you know there's a lot more I'm I'm totally like glossing over a ton of things but you know the for some reason and I can't remember if they really ever went into this in the background because it's way in the distant past but you know colony ships went out away from earth for some whatever reason and they they ended up in this situation so the first book is basically about you know that well the main character spensa who is this young woman she's she becomes a pilot uh and i don't know jen or rick how old is she in the first book like 17 6 17 17 Mm -hmm. okay i couldn't remember it was like 16 17 but and 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 she's got a lot of backstory and she's kind of a lot of got a lot of baggage but she becomes a a pilot for the you know the military group that tries to protect the 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 humans and a lot of other things of course happen and then and then the I'm just whipping through this as quick as possible so we can really get to the to the main thing we want to talk about which is the third book but and then in the second book after a series of circumstances she ends up that book is primarily set on this star site station, which she sort of ends up disguising herself and infiltrates more or less the enemy's home base. Is that, um, is that kind of accurate? Do you guys feel <laughs> is that, you know, yep. in a one sentence summary or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, and, and so while the first book involved a lot of these other characters and this little squadron that she gets to know and work with, there is a little bit of that still going on in the second book, but she's kind of off on her own quite a bit. And then in, in Cytonic, in this most recent book, she's really on her own. It, it, it's This book is essentially her off on her own on this adventure that she ends up having. Um, but before we get into great detail i'd like to just say you know for each of you to talk about in general what you thought about this one maybe i have a few things to say about what i thought going in a little bit but um i guess rick pete what 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 are your quick you know just in a few minutes impressions or or thoughts on this third book and then we can talk about some of the details of it and did you have any kind of thoughts before you went into it Did, did it did it surprise you or what just give me some basics of what you thought about it. Well, yeah, I mean, this book pretty much picks up right after the second book ends, um, which I kind of liked because I could just flow right into it. Um, but it was this place where she she winds up is, you know, they call it the nowhere. It doesn't obey any rules of our universe things don't work the same way so it took it took a little while to sort of wrap my head around the way things worked in this area that she was in yeah because you know it kind of didn't make a lot of sense at first but i really enjoyed this is really a book about sort of the completion of her journey in terms of who she is and what 
this this ability that she has, you know, what is it? How can she develop it? Um, and it gives us all the insight that we were lacking about where this came from. You know, we know that her father had this ability. We know that her grandmother had this, her great grandmother had this ability. So I enjoyed learning all of that backstory and watching her sort of grow into who she is. Because by the end, by the end of the book, she's kind of fully grown into who she really is in in the totality of you know herself and her abilities and and how she how how that all came to pass. So I enjoyed it. Um, it's not really about action, although there is you know definitely action sequences in the book, but it's really a journey of discovery. And I kind of get into those kind of stories. So, so once I got started, I think just like in his other books, once you start reading it, after the second chapter, you're just you're sucked into it. And I and I I got the audiobook like you, uh, Rico. And once I started listening to it, um, my wife will tell you that I kind of checked out <laughs> because if I wasn't working, I was listening to the audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm bad about that. I mean, just just a quick note is is I I I don't just for circumstances. I I tend to listen to these when I'm driving, and I don't drive as much in the last couple of years because I'm not going into the office except a couple times a week. So uh, yeah, I don't I I listen occasionally at home, but I like to listen in the car. So it ends up meaning I I'm not listening to this as quickly. Like I would probably uh, on average. How long was this? Twelve hours, thirteen, or something like that. It seems like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I would only be listening like it probably took me like a month to get through it. So whatever that is, divide that out three or four hours a week, something like that. So I'm I'm kind of low key in not not that I you know I liked it in but basically I you know just to give you an idea of how I was listening to it that's that's how I did it but. Uh, Jen, why don't you give us a little bit of your basics of of what you thought before we get into some of the some of the more uh, detail of the book and some specific things that that happen in it? Yeah, um, I I agree with with um, Rick Pete that it's a great kind of un, unveiling, I guess, of how her powers work and how they came to be because it was kind of a mystery as to what the heck. Cytonics are Mm -hmm. Um, people used to be afraid of them and she's starting to understand you know in the nowhere which is basically another dimension um yeah how how they got their their powers and that each um cytonic has different abilities you know they can all work on it's kind of like the force it reminded me of the force like there's yeah, certain so too. jedis yeah. with different <laughs> talents and they can learn you know different abilities but some are more talented than others and with certain gifts i guess i, I don't know yeah so exactly. then you learn you learn a lot about her relationship um with these other pilots um jorgen being one of them who was the flight captain am i right or the squad leader yeah, and, uh, exactly. I think the squad inter- I loved leader. Yeah, how they were able to talk through like reflections in the the glass. You know, when he's in his cockpit, he could see her in the reflection, of the glass. That was so cool. And I think 
that was one way that Brandon Sanderson brought some fantasy in <laughs> into his sci-fi book was in this in the nowhere. It's basically a fantasy world, you know, and yeah, and, and yeah. The only thing that works the way our universe does is gravity. <laughs> gravity is the same, except there's floating worlds and and like these dinosaur things and uh, an Indiana yeah. Jones character and you know I and I love Imbot, who is her. Oh AI yeah, Imbot's great. Yeah. He's Spencer. Like, I am still mad at you. <laughs> he's like R two and three PO in one. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh, a little data. And a little data. Yeah, little data. Spence is basically there. the the or sorry, this why I always but Mbot is is her basically AI that was was in this advanced ship that that um, well something a happened fighter. to the ship in the second mm -hmm. book, but yeah, so he's basically this you know artificial intelligent computer thing that that she, he's becoming sentient. He basically yeah. is. I mean, you know, I mean, if, if he can think on his own, basically, you know, yes, yeah, he is. So, yeah, for sure. And have and you were supposed to be sort of leery of him. And I guess they they were at some time um, worried about abomination. The <laughs> they call him abomination. But um, yeah, I Chet found myself feeling him, yeah. on edge about him. You know, not sure. Like I was worried <laughs> that Mbot was going to go Murderbot. Well, yeah, because like it, well, essentially, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, gosh, how many sci-fi stories? You know, the killer yeah. robots, right? You know, yes. Terminator. I mean, I mean, gosh, it's a it's a staple of sci-fi. Is that you know, it's even been done in Star Trek. It's it's been done all over the place. Of you know, be careful. Don't make those robots too intelligent. They'll they'll revolt or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't want to go in too much before we. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Unravel, but that's right. that's my two cents on it. I just yeah, I love the way he was able to b bring in some of his fantasy worlds into this uh, other dimension. Yeah, no, cool. I agree with both of you. The um, yeah, and you're right. He did. This is probably out of the three so far. The three books so far, I thought was the most sort of fantasy like, you know, because of this being in this nowhere thing and. Um, this this alternate universe, alternate dimension, whatever, where basically you know they, they don't even have to eat or drink really. They they get all messed up. Their their sense of time passing gets all messed up, and they, they start to forget. You know that was mm -hmm. the other thing that I thought was kind of scary and cool. Both which mm -hmm. was they start to forget about like uh, you know some of their past. They have trouble remembering you know their friends, their family. And they sort of lose themselves in here because of just this. This place is so foreign to, and and I I, I guess you know it's doing something physiologically to them or something. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with both of you. I mean, I I really enjoyed it a lot. The and then we can we can talk about a few details. But the the biggest thing that surprised me about this was how that he he kind of Brandon Sanderson really committed to. Like, all right, I'm going to put Spencer, you know, she decides to go to this nowhere area place that, you know, she kind of has a choice at, at a point in the book. And and he kind of committed to keeping um, everything basically happening there for the most part. You know, she's communicating, like you said, Jen, back home at a, a, an occasion, but it, it never really moves from this 
this nowhere area and her story. You know, he he just sticks with that. And I was just reading a few things before we started to record. I, I guess he toyed with the idea of, of doing this book from, like, different points of view of some kind. And I don't know if that would have meant he would have had some more uh, things happening back on, on their home planet, you oh, know, detritus. on detritus mm-hmm. or not, or if he would have just, if it would have been only with the the people, like the group she ends up connecting up with in the nowhere or that, but I, I guess he he tried to write it that way, and then he he kind of kind of tossed it and and did it the way you know it ended up. But um, the well, other actually, th- what yeah. ended up what ended up happening there is there are a series, I believe, of three novellas mm-hmm. of smaller store of books okay. that are told from those various viewpoints. Ah, so there's okay. one that's told from the Jorgen's viewpoint and one told from somebody else's viewpoint so that you do get a sense of what's going on in Detritus because so you can sort of put it together. There is a lot of stuff yeah. going on there while she's in the nowhere. Right. And so you'd have to oh, read the cool. novellas okay. to get all of that. Yeah. I wondered what those were about. I saw them. There's one called Sunreach and Red Dawn. Yeah, yeah, that's there's like cool. Three of them. Yeah, that's a nice yeah. way to fill in those other areas and and not have to put it all into one big book or something. But um, the um, but the other thing about this book that really threw me I don't know about the two of you but and I and I was just reading about this as well. You know, so we have first book you know kind of sets up this war with these bad guys, bad you know aliens or whatever trying to wipe out the humans. Then she's trying to infiltrate in the second book the alien place and all that. I really, because I thought, I think originally it was only going to be three books, that this third book was going to be, okay, now Spencer comes back home and they have the big old battle, right? Not whatever, you know, basically uh, simplifying it. But the third book would just be about them, you know, fighting back with what she learned and that they would hopefully win, right? And then when it went into this whole thing, I was like, "What? What's happening?" <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I still, but it was not what I. I really expected the third book to be like any other trilogy, where okay, let's wrap everything up. And then it, as I got into this book, for I don't know when it was, maybe about midway or something like that, I'm like, "Yep, I guess this isn't going to finish." And, and I, what I was just reading, there's going to be a fourth book next year called Defiant and that's supposed to finish instead of a trilogy or a trilogy it's supposed to be four books so did yeah. you guys think that too when you read it did you did you did you have I mean maybe you knew that ahead of time or maybe you didn't necessarily expect this to finish the story what what did Jen what did you think did you know about that did that no oh, I didn't expect I didn't expect it at all I, I wasn't I don't I didn't have any anticipation as to what was going to happen next, I guess, uh-huh. after the last book ended. But I definitely wasn't expecting floating islands of <laughs> of, uh, of nowhere. And, 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 yeah, yeah, and, and, and a big adventure Indiana in this. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Pete, did yeah. you did you have a did you know that was going to be like that or did that throw you at all like it did me a bit? Well, I knew I knew there was going to be a fourth book. So even when you were starting the thing, I mean, you, when you I started the third book. Oh, you did. Okay. You, so you knew the mid. Okay. All right. But I didn't, I didn't know what the story was. So 
that was still new, but I, I, I knew that this was going to be building up to whatever in the fourth book was going to close it all out. So okay. I wasn't, I wasn't shocked at the end and it kind of made sense how they ended this. It makes sense for leading right into that fourth book. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, but that was the only thing. And it wasn't, like I said, I, I still went with it and, and enjoyed it a lot, but, um, it was not, um, yeah, that was, that was a bit of a surprise to me. And it, that happens sometimes when I'm watching like a show or whatever, and I'm like, oh, I guess there's another episode still this season or, or maybe, you know, you know, it's like, what, what's going on, it, you know, but, um, so let's get into Cytonic specifically a little bit and talk about a few uh, details. I, I guess we can talk maybe a little bit about the characters. I mean, we, uh, you know, Spence is the main character. She's this DDF pilot, this young woman. She's, you know, the best pilot around, all this stuff. But she ends up in this other nowhere that we've talked about. And it kind of throws her for a loop a little bit, right? Because she, she's out of her element which I like. I always like that when they do that in a, in a story. And then, and then she fairly quickly runs into um, Chet. So I guess we can talk a little bit about Chet. So what did you guys think about Chet when, when you first met him and, and, and then he goes through and he doesn't end up being quite what we are all expecting later, but I'll just start off, I guess, maybe just to say, I, I really thought he was, he, he, he just was great. I mean, I, I liked the character. He was so, excited to meet Spencer and he was off on this big adventure and everything. He, he has this sense of, uh, adventure about him and, you know, he's just always gung ho and everything and positive kind of, and I liked all that, but Chet Starfinder, <laughs> and he's always <laughs> very grandiose in the way he speaks sometimes. So, um, what did you think, Jen, of Chet? I loved him. I loved that character. And I, I was, glad that he didn't turn out to be her dad <laughs> because i was like oh all that you know build up and they're gonna ta-da here's your dad and there was a couple oh, yeah. of times when i thought they were gonna do that and i was like oh good because i want her i want her to be with her dad but then i you know it's his absence kind of made her who she is you know what i mean and that would take it all away from her if he just suddenly showed up but um yeah he that's not his real name, and there's some revelations in the book about who he is and where he comes from. I don't know if you want to talk about that or spoil it, but um, it has Maybe to do with Maybe at the end a, li a little bit more, but, I mean, we can keep it a little. He's he's not quite what he turns out to be, I guess we can just say for now at least. And um, But, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a fun character, and he's also been there a long time, right? 170 years, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, because people, whatever, in the in the nowhere, they don't really, like, age the same. But then there's also cytonic abilities, like you said earlier, Jen, that, that kind of factor into that, too. And his seems to be, at least that's what we're led to believe, that it, 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 it allows him to live longer um, is, is kind of what they try to say at some point, although there's more, again, more to it later. What did you think about Chet, Rick Pete? What did you think? Well, at first I thought, at first I thought, well, this is just weird. All of a sudden, this <laughs> guy shows up, and a little, a little convenient, sort of. 
at first. Exactly. It just yeah. seemed like, okay, well, this is a weird plot point. Where is this guy coming from? And yeah, I thought at first, maybe this is her dad, but because you lose your memory in the nowhere, he doesn't know who he is. So at first I was, I bought it a little bit because I figured, okay, he doesn't know who he is. Uh, and he, so fine. But then, yeah, he, yeah, he was sort of an enigma to me. Cause I kept trying to figure out, well, who is this guy? Um, and then I thought, okay, is he supposed to be the love interest? You know, so he, he was written pretty well. You know, he was, he was just Mr. Adventure. You know, I'm just game to do the next thing. Oh, by the way, I really want to follow this path of elders thing. And yeah, I didn't want to do it by myself, but now that you're here, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's really convenient. You know, what's at the end of this path of elders? There's got to be some weapon or or something, or yeah, that's where the memories are stored. I I didn't know, but uh, but as the story went on, you know, he really did grow on me, and you know, I really saw them as as a very um, they fit well together as a team, and, and you know, which I think you know, as you go through this whole story. But she would not have been able to do what she did in the story without there being a team, right? So she started out with just him, and then you know eventually you know they meet up with those pirates, and then she's got a bigger team, and so you see her, you know, with her leadership skills, you know, you watch her basically grow into the leader that theoretically she would have become on Detritus. So, so he was cool. He was cool. Um, I, I guess I don't know how much to say because I don't want to jump too far into the book. But yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. That's probably plenty for now. I mean, the um, the other thing you know that they try to make you think he is, or they say at some points, is he's like maybe the Mbot's old pilot, right? You know, they bring they bring that up a little bit, and and um, but the the. The next thing I thought we could talk about, and there are other characters we can talk about too, but the I wanted to talk a little bit about the nowhere more and, and this um, the whole icon thing, you know, that's in the book, and and then the um, the little I always thought of them as like glitter or whatever. What do they call them? Those little fragments or whatever that that help them not lose all their memories and things. What did you guys think about that kind of part of the book? And and I mean, was um, the uh, was that? Uh, do you think that was well explained? Or I mean, did you did you like that part of the book? The fact that you know, if they drifted apart too far, people did or whatever, they'd start to lose what they could, you know, their old lives and things. What what about? How did you think that all played out? I I really like that a lot. I like the idea that they had to stick together. That she has this little, I think it's a, is it a medal of her father's? Is that what it pin? is? Right. It's a pin. Yeah. A pin. And uh, right. A pin of his, from his uniform. That in this place, this nowhere, it, 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 it helps her hold on to her, basically her life, her personality, her memories and everything like that. what do you think about all that, Jen? I really like it. I think. This is another instance of where Braden Sanderson is, is, I guess, drawing from his, his talent as a fantasy author, um, you know, because there's always rules in magic and there's, there's drawbacks 
you know, too. Like, you could be super powerful in this magic, but there's always this other problem if you're, you know, to counterbalance it. And mm-hmm. um, that's what I, the impression I got, you know, with this place being, you know, making you, giving you the ability to live, you know, a super long time. You don't have to eat, you don't have to drink, but you forget your memories. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there, there's the this dust that memory dust that they they um, divvy out among each other to hold on to that. And I don't think he really explains what that is very well. I know that the pins are very um, sought after, and yeah. Chet tells her you might want to hide that, you know. And he's staring at it with like eagerly, wanting it himself. Thought, and a, yeah. I almost thought it, it somehow was able to help them connect to the somewhere, you know, like like the either the icon or the fragments that came off of it or were made by it or whatever that allowed them somehow mentally to, to be a little bit more connected still to the somewhere so they didn't, you know, yeah. something something like I know, that. I don't know. I know the, the you know, the, that makes sense for the pens, but the dust stuff, I wasn't quite sure where it came from. I know that the floating islands they had the the gravity what is the, what are those rings they acclivity uh, rings yeah the acclivity yeah, the, stone that they have to get from fragments. there yeah. that's where the acclivity rings come from are those islands i guess um they they that's why they're able to float and at first i thought the dust was parts of that but i don't know i'm i'm still at a loss to know what the heck that was but maybe that's part of the magic you don't know have to it's not it's where Magic meets science, kind of like Star Wars, where you don't have to explain it, you know? Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. don't explain the Force. Yeah, don't you don't expl- Yeah, you don't need it all. We don't need a midichlorians, you know? It's more It's of more of, like, this does this. We're not sure how it works, but it, right. it, it helps, yeah. How about you, Rick Pete? What did you think? How did you... What did you think about all that part of the icons and the and the, and the little dust to, to help hold on to your memories and all that? Well, I thought it was... I thought it was I thought it was a pretty cool plot um, mechanism to help you to help you stay grounded. So I kind of looked at the dust as almost like, you know, dirt and dust. You know, kind of keeps you grounded. And so I kind of looked at it from that perspective. Yeah, that's. But cool. then as you get yeah. further into it, and you figure and you realize what the icon was, then it makes the dust even more of a mystery to me because now the icon sheds this dust. But since the icon isn't exactly what we thought it was, then it makes me wonder, okay, the dust isn't really coming from this piece of metal. It's being generated by something else. That makes, I forgot about that, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then if there are other icons in the nowhere does that mean that those other i don't want to name them yet um are all the icons in the nowhere the same kind of thing oh you mean are they that do they represent the same thing yeah 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 it's a good you question know, so maybe more than I would one say... of those has come into the nowhere yeah either with you know they accompanied they either came on their own or they accompany other pilots. I'm just curious because they don't explain that because Spence's icon wasn't the only one there. Remember, there were there was they also had icons at you know um, that final location 
at the superior base that was within the nowhere, that there was another icon there. Um, and I think, didn't that, well, anyway, I was just thinking that it made me wonder that maybe that is an explanation of that dust and maybe that is generated in such a way to help the pilots, you know, stay grounded. Yeah, it could be. Without, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Yep, I, I get it. And a lot of these, the thing about this book, too, is there are things as she goes through this, this you know, this story and this book and everything that happens to her in this nowhere area. Like, most of the things that she thinks at the beginning end up being changed, right? Like, there's a there's sort of a running thread of, like, most things don't end up being what she thinks they are. Once, yeah. once you get to the end of it all, you know, she's... I was thinking, especially once I get got near the end of the book or even after I finished it, was, you know, at the very beginning of it, she has this choice. There's this portal thing, right? And, and she can either, and she goes in and she can either decide to go right back home to detritus or she can go into this, she doesn't even really know what it is, you know, this nowhere area or whatever. But but at the end of it all, you we all realize that Wow, if she hadn't gone in there and she learned so much that they would have that basically that was the right move, right? Like without the knowledge that she gains by going in there, they've gained a lot of information that's going to help them win this thing, you know. I that's that's the way I take I took it. So even though it, she questions, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done this and she has these opportunities to go home kind of here and there, and she's debating whether she should or shouldn't and all that other stuff. But basically at the end, it was the right move for her. So, but then, like I said earlier, you know, the, a lot of, a lot of her assumptions, a lot of what she learns at, at first or thinks at first change over the course of it. Plus she's learning about how to use her powers more and all that stuff too. So, you know, it's, it, well, as I was reading it, I was thinking, man, this is like Empire Strikes Back. I mean, in terms of Luke learning more about his powers. Going to Dagobah. <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Going back to save his friends. You know, you know, remember what you've learned. Save you what can. You know, and I kind of feel like at yeah. the end of the book, now she's in a position to then take what she's learned, save your Tritus it can, so she can take that back to all of the Cytonics back at Detritus. And I think that I, I'm assuming that's what's gonna turn the tide of of the of the of the conflict. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good one thing comparison. I did like about his writing style yeah. is he doesn't let the readers in on things before his characters know. So you're not reading thinking, I know what's going on and Spencer doesn't know yet. You learn when the characters learn. Yeah. And yeah. it keeps you really plugged into it. And you don't get lazy because you start thinking, oh, I know what's going on now. Um, you're, you're sitting right along, right along in the side seat with her, figuring all this stuff out. I also like his humor. It, 
he cracks me up. Like her <laughs> telling of the Lion King story. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she thinks they're real. She thinks they're people. And she's talking about Simba and Pimba and Pumba or whatever. Yeah. Timon. Hog and, the, yeah. <laughs> like they're real people. And then she's talking about like make believe heroes like David Bowie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't. It's because they are so removed from the past that the stories and history are getting mixed up. And they become kind of like myths. Right? She thinks yeah. that like, I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Barbarian movie. What was that? Conan. Conan. Yeah. She thinks he's real. I mean, because she's I just love the the humor and his playfulness when it comes to that it yeah. just keeps it she keeps gets it all the than... stories from grand grand right and then and then she sort of embellishes and and yeah no i yeah, yeah she's definitely a storyteller but it it, it i like it cuz it doesn't take itself seriously you know sometimes sci-fi and fantasy books can be like i i roll my eyes a lot like some of the newer star wars books i we we had to stop reviewing them for the Star Wars text because I was rolling my eyes way too much during the episodes. They, they started taking themselves too seriously and uh, forgot that Star Wars is supposed to have some funny and mixed in, you know? But that this is definitely a book that has a good balance of emotion and, you know, you feel feel afraid for the characters sometimes and you laugh with them, you feel for them. I mean, it's... I like the roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's and it's very like Rick Pete said, you know, with Empire and it, it's just very Star Wars in general when you think about it too. I mean, there's mm-hmm. dog fights. They've got basically a power like the Force, right? You know, there there's bad guys, there's there's aliens, there's just there's a lot of. That's why I was also, you know, maybe Maybe these will end up being like movies or TV or something at some point. Who knows? I know some of his stuff has been like option to be doing movies out of, but but I don't know what you know when if that'll ever happen. But it's written very much like you know it it could be easily you know a movie material. Mm-hmm. I guess um, where are we at forty or so? So maybe another five or ten minutes. But I I think. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, so, and this will probably get us a little bit more, you know, another spoiler warning, but a little bit more in depth, but not too much. But a lot of what we learn in this book has to do with, you know, somewhat MBOT, somewhat artificial intelligences, these Delvers and everything like this. You know, it, it, it kind of, you know, it kind of turns out that that these these monstrous beings that are kind of, trying to wipe them all out are a form of artificial intelligence right there that's there's a spoiler but anyway that's a big one rico (laughs) (laughs) i said a spoiler warning but i I, I can't help it because i think that's important because what i wanted to do is talk a little bit about it you know compared to you know this has happened in star trek before too oh yeah you know and, and and it and we were just we were talking about this earlier about how the you know, just there are a lot of analogies in this book to other other things that that has you know then been done in sci-fi and all that. But w- what I wanted to bring it back to though was Mbot, and and I, you know, it's it was interesting to me, you know, because he's he's growing this personality and all these other things, but he doesn't want to like wipe out people, 
You know, he doesn't want to like, wipe out humanity. And even Chet, you know, which we learn more about, you know, and, and he's got other things going on with him, but, you know, he doesn't want to, you know. So um, I don't know what the, you know, what do you guys think about all that, I guess? Maybe that's a kind of a big question, but did you well, feel I that they so. did that well or that he, he wrote that well or was that surprising? I, I found all that fairly surprising. It's, it's a little uh, tricky to keep track of, especially in the last, say, quarter of the book, maybe or a little less than that. Maybe even not the last quarter, maybe even the last like several chapters. But Rick, Pete, what did what did you think about all that part? I thought it, it was clearly very significant that very early on in the book, Mbot expresses that he's beginning to have emotion. And, you know, he wasn't emotional in the first book. And he really wasn't all that emotional in the second book. But now he's feeling things. He's feeling fear. He's feeling anger. Um, and he slowly begins to learn what these feelings are through his interactions and questions and conversations with Spencer. And when I think about that, and I think about Data's journey towards getting the emotion chip and trying to figure out how to deal with those emotions, he learned how to deal with them through his relationship with Jordy. And I feel like Mbot's doing the same thing. He's learning how to deal with them because he's in relationship with humans who can help put things into perspective for him to help him understand them. When I think of the Delvers, I kind of look at it as the Delvers. I don't really want to explain how the Delvers were create were created, but suffice that it came out of a severe sense of loss and fear, and they didn't have any humans to help walk them through that. Uh, so I as, see kind of what you're talking about and going, right. yeah, yeah. So as AIs, they had to come up with their own algorithms to decide how they're going to deal with this. They took a different path than the path Mbot took. Yeah, right? well, that's a good. And, yeah, it's a good way to put it. It's sort of, in a way, you know, when you think about it, it's kind of like you know raising a child. You know, people, you know, the how the child gets raised kind of determines well, how they kind of turn out right you know you know yeah, the, if you have a child to raise with without emotion if they don't feel you know they, they don't feel that motherly love at birth right you know and through sure. their development that is they're separated from that it messes yeah. people that'll mess you up yeah and, and you know even like you're it's a good comparison that you made you know with data like in, in star trek because i mean i think data you know during his time with with you know the other people on the enterprise you know he obviously he learned how to deal with emotions even you know you know he gets the chip but he he can he can see how others deal with things you know and and that if he was just isolated it wouldn't be the same you know if you just bam, here's your chip and figure it out. You know, there's well, a lot of times, like you said, where Mbot is asking Spencer, Spencer, 
you know, how do you I feel? See, yeah, go yeah, ahead, sorry, Jen. I'm, I'm sorry. No, that's good. I, I love that go. parallel that y'all are making, but I see it more with Lol, Data's daughter, and how she had to deal with emotion so quickly. And I feel like right. yeah. that's that was Mbot's path. Like he, it happened so quickly because if of the nowhere, you know, yeah. and and he had felt he felt anger at Spencer because in the last book she had to leave him. And he didn't understand that and he had to process it. And yeah, it was, I felt like all the, the cascade of emotions that law went through, you know, that, um, maybe the Delvers are having that kind of a reaction that it's just a cascade effect, you know? Yeah. 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 I think so. I mean, I think they, I think Rick P, I think you're onto a mm-hmm. lot there because I think, I, I think that, you know, she does try to work out some kind of a way of peace with these, with this enemy. And, and I, I think ultimately, you know, if I had to guess, and maybe in the last few minutes here of the show, we could, we could talk about the future, but I don't think it's just going to be a slug fest. You know, I don't, I don't think it's just going to be, well, we're going to get our ships and you get your ships and we're going to, fight it out right you know i think i think i think they're i think she's gonna be with what she's learned here i think i think they're going to have to sort of come to call it an understanding but i I think that to educate like you say or to make the enemy understand you know that's a classic in literature and life and everything to make the enemy understand you you can't be so much if you understand your enemy enough, you don't. Re- you're not really enemies anymore after a while, right? Something like that. I'm probably not saying it great, but you guys probably. No, understand. I think you're. I think you're spot on. I mean, yeah. look at. I mean, Chet is. Chet is the exact example of what you just said. Yeah, I mean, he learns Chet a lot. Embot does too. Because of that, yeah. Relationship with Spencer changed him. And I think that I would think that the set, the third book fourth. should be trying to do that on the grand scale. Fourth book, but yeah, yeah. Or fourth mm-hmm. book, sorry. yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. No, yeah, it's I think... It's kind of like go when... Yeah. Go <laughs> ahead, the John. Borg, remember when, when the one Borg, what was his name? Hugh. <laughs> he went back into the... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and infected them all and... The sense know, of individuality. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, that's a that's a that's a very classic. You know, like we've all we've been saying several times here between Star Wars and Star Trek. I mean, those are classic things. It was done even in like the original Star Trek series. Is that you know, there's this whole concept of artificial intelligence, and then how, how do you get emotions as part of that? And 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 we have you know, and even you know complete adults you know some people deal with their emotions better than others but but the point is we've all you know i think mbot says it a few times in the book right we we have years and years and years right to mm-hmm. figure it out to to figure out how to do it to to see other people how they do it we figure out our own way but but it's it's not easy and and they they have to figure out a way to do it sort of artificially like through through what whatever they experience just like people do or 
and then they have the I guess Mbot has the ability to more or less alter his his programming, right? So so that allows him to modify like, oh well, if somebody does something, I you know like Spencer, I shouldn't stay mad at you forever, essentially, you know, because that doesn't you know that's not doesn't make sense. It's not pro- whatever a lot of reasons, but no, well, I think there's a lot. The, these books the thing that's cool about these books and then we can everyone maybe you guys you both get to have some final thoughts but as i as i'm talking to both of you that there's a lot on the surface they're fun but there's a lot more depth underneath the surface that that when you start thinking about it and talking about it especially especially when it got to this book and that's why i'm kind of glad he did this the way he did it but um there's a lot more under the hood or under the surface than than it seems. It's not just a, oh, you know, it's a galactic story of, of good versus evil or, you know, big, big galactic war going on type of thing. There's a lot more going on. Um, what What's your final words on it, Rick? And then, Jen, you can go after Rick. But, um, yeah, what do you get? What's your final thoughts here? Um, I mean, as a book, uh, to me... This whole series is a must-read. If you got, you know, people who are interested in, you know, science fiction, thoughtful science fiction, um, and fantasy, I think will really enjoy this book and enjoy, you know, the journey that Spencer is going through. Um, there's definitely a lot that could be applied to what's going on, you know, today, you know, just in our society as, in general. And lessons that obviously us humans are still trying to learn. Um, but no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I liked, I kind of liked the ending. I didn't expect the ending, but I did like it and where it ended up going. Um, I'm very tempted to read those novellas because I did like the fact that even though 95% of this book was about the nowhere and what Spencer was going through, um, and the relationship she was making within the nowhere, I still like the fact that there were still connections with the superiority and her, you know, the, her enemies from the superiority, mm-hmm. who, you know, you know, like Braid, who was actually who was satanic, and she had to deal with that, you know, and spy on them using her abilities, and then be able to convert knowledge like a spy would convert knowledge back to Jorgen, you know, and detritus. Again, using her cytonics to have that, you know, quote unquote subspace type of communication, um, person to person. So I, so he kept us engaged with what's going on in the in the wider world, without a whole lot of specifics. Just just enough to tease us, so that we're going to definitely want to read that fourth book. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I am going to be definitely waiting for that thing to be released, and I'll be picking that up right away. Jen. I agree with Rick. Um, it's, I definitely recommend it to everyone, and it does have a lot of help, I guess. I, I, I was thinking the same thing you were, Rick, that the, this book in particular, I think, is important for this time for young adults because of the amount of stuff they've been going through with COVID and being isolated and dealing with emotions and in things like that. I thought I was thinking that while I was reading this book, it, it, even without COVID <laughs> kids have to deal like, especially my son, uh, he's 11. He's 
on the cusp of puberty and he has ADHD, which makes him um, have trouble um, expressing himself when he's frustrated without just erupting in anger. <laughs> and, you know, we, we always have to tell him to breathe and take your time and it's okay to be angry. Just, you don't have to be, you know, frustrated at yourself because you can't do things right away. You know, it, this is a book for people, I think, especially, I mean, it's entertaining for anyone, but if you have a kid who's dealing with stuff like that, I think I can't wait for Aaron to read it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to him to read, but you know, this series, but, um, I was just thinking that. What What did you think, Rick and Rick? <laughs> did Rico, yeah, did you no, have that I, uh, same thought, too? Because I think yeah, no, it's a good, it, it was more than one. just a story. Yeah. It had a nugget of wisdom in it, I think, with the whole how you're processing your emotions and what they mean and what they're for. You know, it was answering little questions, I think, that I, I thought would be helpful. Yeah, and she's very, you know, I agree with both of you. I mean, she's... It, it, I didn't really even think about it until now, which is of how this is kind of fitting because she's isolated, right? She's basically isolated from her friends, her family with this book. And it, and we were all we've all been isolated kind of for two years and, and so on. So it, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I think he had this in mind before, you know, COVID or whatever, but. But it is good. I mean, it's there's a lot of great things in this. You know, she she really has to go through a lot. She's young, she's not. You know, so it's it's something that kids can identify with. You know, younger people can identify with the character. She doesn't. You know, she keeps basically things happen. She doesn't give up. She keeps getting up again. And it, you know, even when when everything looks kind of the darkest, you know, she she has uh, this little core group that she thinks about that gives her kind of strength, inner strength, and that's always great. And, and no, it's, it's, um, it's yeah, I, Jen, that's great that, you know, get Aaron to read it, and I, I'm recommending it to people that I know, and, and you know, it's just my, um, my older son, especially, I know he's read, I think he's read some of other, his stuff, but I don't know if he's read this series. I know he's read uh, that Mistborn series that Brandon Sanderson did and, and others. So, but yeah, there is, there's a lot of good kind of just, it's nice to see in, in, you know, I don't think this is, I don't even know what you categorize YA literature, but I mean, what I'm trying to say is that I think it's a good story for younger people to read just, just because it, it's sci-fi, but it's grounded, as as Rick Pete said a few times. It it it's talking about emotion, how to deal with your emotions. There's a lot of there's a lot of depth here, like I was saying earlier about it. Versus it, you know, it's a fun story, but there's a lot more to it than that. It's kind of like I almost, even though I would love to see a movie or TV series about it, this is always the danger, right? You guys know this that. Well, yeah, they'll it, ruin it. Well, <laughs> not this, not just not that so much. I, I I think they do a pretty good job these days. But you get you don't you just get the surface right. They can't really go into uh, they can't go into the kind of detail and depth that you see in books. You know, in, into when they do it into a movie or a TV. You know, 
it, it's very hard to get you get all that substance in there. So unless they make it, you know, a series that goes on for twenty years or something. But oh, I understand that. I just don't like it when they add stuff. It's like not necessary. <laughs> Can we just stick to the story, please? Yeah, people? yeah. I well, that's a that's that's another maybe one time we'll have to podcast about you know <laughs> a, that that exact topic. You know, there's. I always try to look at it in a, in a you know in a way of. It's a tricky thing too. I think I always think it's. I, I give them a little bit of credit because I think it's always hard to adapt um, novels and books in, into TV or movies. I think it's a it's a really hard thing to do. It's harder than people seem to think, and I, I always try to think there's a reason for what they do. Sometimes maybe maybe it's not a good one. Maybe for whatever reason, but. It's just compli- it's a complicated thing and it's um, They're like this needs more sex. <laughs> it's not always just that oh, though. It isn't. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, That's it, what it is most of the time. Yeah, I mean with well, yeah, that would be like I said we could do a whole podcast about that stuff, but the um but the but yeah, this this I was was going back to the Cytonic book at least. I think we're all in agreement. It's a great book. You guys should read these um if you if you listen to this and you haven't read them, the way I always say that is is like just wait about four or five months if you've actually listened to this because you probably won't remember anything that we've said and then you can read it and you you know nothing nothing will uh, you know you can I keep thinking about <laughs> wanting to go back even though I'm not a big rereader or rewatcher of things but I'm starting to feel like. You know, if I read this again or if I watched this movie from 20 years ago, I probably barely – I know the basics of it, but there's so much that I don't remember. It's probably – I know, Jen, maybe maybe we can finish off with that, but I know, Jen, you, I've heard you say a few times you, you read um, some things again, like Lord of the Rings and oh, that. Oh, yes. But yeah. but I, I just – there's – like my shelf is just full of stuff that I haven't read yet, and – so it's hard for me to. I've only done it a few times. It's hard for me to go back and and reread just because again I I I'm so like I feel like oh man I really want to read you know those other ten books that I have sitting yeah. there. So you know what my reason for it is? It feels like going home. So yeah, when I'm feeling really. Yeah. it's um, kind of a comfort like level thing. Or yeah, there's comfort in it. That's why I rewatch Star Star Trek and Star Wars and all the movies I love. You yeah, know? yeah, I'll rewatch some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean I obviously do, but the but you know, there's it's a there's a limit, you know, kind of a thing and uh but uh but yeah. But anyway, yeah, we should do a show about that about adapting things. I I do want to hear about you maybe before um I don't know Rick Pete if you're into the wheel of time stuff, but I I, I did want to get um Jen's thoughts on, you know, how she what she thought about the the TV version and uh versus the book and all and uh or the books. Or, you know, they, um, I think they just renewed it for like a third season, even though they haven't put out this or I don't know. I don't know. I've lost track of that a little bit, but, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, well, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to, if I have an opinion yet, but I know the worry I always have whenever they make a movie from a book, especially one that I've read. Um, and I think about these books. Spencer is a very complex character. She's got a lot of levels. You know, we first think of her developing as a warrior, but she's so much more than a warrior. I mean, she's so empathetic. 
she's a warrior. She's a mother. She's, you know, a friend. She's like, and my, I look at her relationship to Mbot. She's like a mother to Mbot. And when, oh, yeah, when for sure. talking about yeah. Aaron, that was so clear in my mind of the way she worked with Mbot as he was growing into his sentience and growing into his understanding of his feelings. It's very much a mother, you know, child type of interaction. Um, and then her relationship with Chet was different. Her relationship um, with uh, Doomslug is different. So I love Doomslug. <laughs> when you have a movie, my yeah. fear is whoever adapts the movie is going to focus on Spencer the Warrior. And the movie's going to lose all those other aspects. Or they're going to be in such, you know, we'll see one or two scenes of that and that's all we're going to get. And I, yeah, and I feel they, that's where, the, yeah. where a lot of movies miss things, is that the books are so rich, but they can't do all that in two and a half hours. So they pick the main storyline, and that's what they focus on, and all the other things that provide the depth get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, they'll be like, you know what this needs? More sex. Let's put Jorgen in. <laughs> Jen's Jen's got a she's she's got a That's she's like a dog with a dog starts. with a bone on that one today. But the no, but the <laughs> well, it would be it's they, true. They would never be like um, I, I I would be I I sure hope if they ever do these that they did they wouldn't try to cram it all into one movie. <laughs> you know, it, it's it. I can't even imagine them them doing that. Ooh, look, they they have some bad guys up there. They shoot it out, and it's the movie is done. You know, or something. There was it something. What be... did I watch recently that I couldn't? Um, oh, I watched some of these. You know, animated comic book movies, and there's this thing called Injustice. That was the one that come to, came to mind. And basically, mm-hmm. it's a really good comic, but it's a it's big. Like it's a lot of issues. And essentially the story of it is Superman kind of wigs out because the Joker, Batman's enemy, kills Lois Lane. Kills Lois Lane, yep. It's a great story in the comics. And, but it he, is, he, yep. But they turned it into like a 90-minute animated film that I watched, and it was like they just lost the, the essence. You know, it was basically like they just hit the high points. It's like the Cliff Notes. It's not even like the Cliff Notes version of it, and you don't even get the depth of – you know what he was feeling and what happened and all that. So um, yeah, it, it's it's tricky. My other way of looking at this, and then we can we can say goodbye, you know, for this this time. But it was fun to talk to you guys about this. But the I always I, I always feel like if they do an okay job with the movie, I, I try to look at them like okay, that's just the movie. We still have the books. Like I enjoyed the new version that they did of Dune, but I love that book. But that they don't have the depth of that book in that movie. And I know they've only covered like the first half of the book or so. And even once they not, do the well, other, not even the first half. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just sort of look at it that because I, I, I think they're the plan. I only say it like that, Rick, you're right. Uh, but I think they're only planning to do one more movie to finish the book. So how, yeah, wherever exactly they've split it, but my, it's just a different version. You know, you get to see this sort of spectacle in a movie but it doesn't have it doesn't have all that little nuance and depth that the book has. So it's I, I like the book and I like the movie, you know, for what it is. But um, but it's not. People always like to say this online, especially these days. 
They've ruined Star Trek for me. They've ruined Dune for me. They've ruined the Lord of the Rings. They've ruined Wheel of Time for me. You know, all that, all that. And it's like, why? You guys, you can read the books still. Or whatever, you know what I mean? That's why we reread the books. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I get it. And, uh, but I mean, you, you, I I try to, try to enjoy for what they're, what they are, you know, at all. You know, if, if, you know, you, you can't really put all that into, I mean, I think there are some books and things that they've adapted very, pretty well. And then other stuff, they've done a terrible job. Like, I really like that Aragon book series with the, I don't know if you, any, either of you've read any of those fantasy books, but I think there's four <laughs> or were there four finally? There are four or but five I mean, of they, they, you awesome. know, that movie was pretty bad. I mean, I tried it to en- enjoy it, but you know, all the depth and the relationship between the dragon and, and, you know, it just was all lost. You know, it was just a Same shame. with the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of glossed over and, you know, and I, I heard an author say this one time and I won't take up any more of your time. I know no, that's you wanna, okay. That's you okay. Wanna... I like this. I like this side topic. It's, it's worthwhile. Yeah. No, go ahead. I really like the way this author put it and I can't remember. It may have been. I might, uh, I should be writing with Mer Lafferty. It was an, a podcast she used to do. Uh-huh. And um, she was interviewing an author, and I apologize, I can't remember her name, but her books had been, um, some of them were turned into films or TV shows. I can't remember which. And Mer asked her, you know, what What do you think about that? Because they don't always translate your your stories, you know, exactly the way, you know, what how, what sure. is what is your philosophy on that? And she said she looks at it like the book is the parent or the grandparent or uh-huh. what did she say? The parent and no, no, no grandparent and the TV show or the movie is the grandchild. That's how far apart they are. So they, ah. they're related, but they're not exactly this. They're, they're not closely re- related. If that makes sense. There, there's a, at least a generation apart. So if you could think of it that way, it's, it, I always, look at that way and i do always watch something before i judge it because i hate people who judge things i don't hate them personally i just hate that they judge things oh before, before. They watch it yeah and they were like <laughs> i'll never you know i'll never watch this because it's not true to yeah the film or the you're book. just I like mean, me the on book that is I... better and it's like no crap the books are, are <laughs> always better <laughs> and so yeah well, right I, I mean i always say give it a chance i mean you know if, if it's a movie uh, yeah, yeah. Or whatever, but uh, TV. And I, I respect yeah. people who have opinions, strong opinions about The Hobbit or whatever. But I still love them for what they are. You know, I feel like it's still art, and an artist still, you know, the the director, the writers, they they had to transform that into visual. They're almost like two separate and things in yes, a way. They really, they really are. They're just not the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, and it's just okay. when they they take the soul out of the story. Yeah. And add something that's not needed to grab more viewership. That really bothers me. But um, yeah, I'm I'm still in your camp with as far as that goes, though. That it's not the same, and you there's so many things they have to do to make it work on in film. But it's just when they lobotomize it, you know, and take yeah. the. That's what I hate about. I would some hate to be modern... handed like Dune or or these books like Cytonic or this mm-hmm. this whole series, you know, this whole Skyward series, and say, "Hey, here you go, G- write a screenplay." I would be like, "Oh my god, it would be a nightmare," and I would end up it would end up being basically like the whole book again. 
Like I'd be like writing like it'd be like two thousand pages, and they'd be like, "Yeah, this is going to be like a, a a thirty hour movie. You need to cut this down." You know what I, I think mean? It they would kill could me. Do it well, if they really brought the writer in, yeah, you know the created and cl- like really listen to them. Not of course they're going to want to put all the detail in, but and they can't do that. But if they let them be more a part of the story, like mm-hmm. um, the author of Outlander or game of thrones you know there were more a part of it so it had more the soul of the stories you know that those people wrote i think that's where we're we're missing it like wheel of Mm -hmm. time for instance robert jordan's no longer alive and brandon sanderson just finished the last three books and i don't think he had a lot of control over it so to me it's just rushing through the stories and and they're really long but it's yeah it's missing something a lot of the humor is gone a lot of the 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 character relationships are are shallower and yeah. i love the casting i love a lot of the changes they did but it's some of those things that it's just like meh <laughs> you know like i see what you're doing here and you're it's a good college try but yeah you know, no i you're get it really yeah. starting that's to bother me yeah. yeah that's how i feel when you, that's how i feel jen i feel that i look, I look at harry potter and i don't know how they how they did it but J.K. Rowling maintained yes. a lot of creative control, and she worked with the people who did the screenplays. She had to okay those screenplays. They didn't, they didn't just write the screenplay and go off. She had to approve it. So even where they had the you know cut things for time, she was still part of the of that conversation. Yeah, and I feel like. Anytime they're taking a novel and turning it into a movie, I don't understand. I don't understand why the writer, the writer owns that. I would hope, and that the writer would be able to say, "Hey, I want to have a say and a strong say in what you put together." I mean, my dad. This is my dad's a screenwriter. Not while well, he's retired now, um, and my dad would tell me if. When a writer writes a screenplay, like for a television show, um, like you know, like something like for Star Trek, where writers can submit scripts, right? They can take that script and they can say, "Okay, we're gonna we'll we'll pay you for the script." Now, then in the writers' room, they can make changes to the script. At the very least, if they make more than seventy-five percent changes to your script. They're allowed to put in a secondary byline. So it's not just written by John Doe, it's written by John Doe and somebody else. And usually that somebody else is somebody that's on the writing team of the show. Um, If they change more than 50%, then they don't have to include the original writer's name. It seems to me that they can go one step above that and say, look, I'm gonna write it and I want the writer to weigh in. And maybe they do and the director can Say no, we're not going to take your suggestions, but I just feel like the writers should have some way of ensuring that, you know, not all is lost. Yeah, it's yeah. a good. You know, we should we should meet up again sometime and talk more about it and and other things. I, I agree, though. I do think the Harry Potter and Kenny and I have been kind of going through those. I think that's one of a, that's one of the better examples of taking books and and into movies. I think. And I think you're right, J.K. Rowling, I think, had a lot to do with that. But 
I think simply I would, from what I've always heard and thought is that I think sometimes basically they just basically we're going to buy your book and we're going to write our own thing. We'll get a writer to do a screenplay and here's a check, you know, and you can, as the author of it, I think you can agree or don't agree and then you don't sell it or whatever. And then I think other times depends on, I'm sure the, let's say the, uh, how much you know power that writer has if they're a big time writer like you know or whatever but i think even stephen king books that's that's and then we we will you know say goodbye and wrap this up but i mean he he sold off some stuff and they've turned into movies and i think he had zero to do with some of those properties the shining you, you know like well the the one that they did a few years ago that Chris loves the book series. It's a whole the gunslinger thingy. What what is it called? Oh, the yeah. Dark Tower or whatever. Tower. And they did the first book, mm-hmm. and it's like it's terrible. I mean, it's like there's no way Stephen King had anything to do with that. So, and he's about as big an author as you can get. So, I I think sometimes you know they just hand somebody a lot of money, and he's cool with yeah, go ahead and do it or whatever. I I don't know. There's a lot of probably a lot of in and in and out of all that stuff, but. I think that Brandon Sanderson is 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 pretty big, and I think I'm sure that I, I don't think you can just buy somebody's book, and if they want to be involved in it, I don't know if you can just like force your way to be part of the if it's going to be option for a movie. I don't I don't know how how much control they can say. You know, I'm sure a studio basically can can say, hey, no, we're gonna we'll we'll buy your book and we want to turn it into a movie, but we don't want you involved. They could probably that's the only offer we're giving you, right? Kind of a thing. So. But hey, this has been a write your own movie. Yeah, exactly. Go write your own movie. I mean, some of these guys are just really busy, you know, like I don't have time to help you with your movie or write a screenplay. I'm off on writing the next, you know, Skyward book or whatever. So, uh, well, this has been fun, you guys. I, I, it was a cool, uh, segue to all that too, into the, you know, the idea of, cause I, I just have really thought these books seem very, very movie potential, a lot of movie potential here. Especially in this day and age where this kind of stuff seems to be fairly popular. You know, sci-fi fantasy movies, comic book movies, all that. Things that let us not think about the current. <laughs> Even though there are, like you guys both pointed out, you know, there there are a lot of analogies and comparisons to things. It's always, uh, it, it's always good to bring it. Just like Star Trek does in their best stories, you know, there's things compared to or to um, bring the real world into it in a, just a different, put a different little spin on it. You know, like Spensa is called Spin. She has the best name too, by the way, Spensa Nightshade. Yeah, I love yeah. that they do call signs at the end of the book too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the audio book. Yes, exactly. For all of the people yeah, that whole, gosh, it, what was it? You it's get a long it, list. it was like 10 minutes of. <laughs> call sign this call sign that. i liked it it was fun it was fun to I, I i think somebody even had call sign no call sign or something like it was fun to hear we need all call signs for the end of this one yeah <laughs> well my call sign is rico so that's really boring but uh, have the best <laughs> all right jen call sign uh it's j row that's what my friends always called me j row when i was in college j row Oh, okay. Well, you know, like J J Low, it was okay. J Row, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right, I got it. All right, uh, how about Rick Pete? What's your call sign, Rick Pete? Oh, geez, my call sign goes back to my gaming times. It would probably be it'd be Psy Master. Psy Master? 
Ooh, yeah. that's a good one. That's, that's a good, good one. one. That's a good one. All right. Um, well, hey, Jen, Rick, Pete, or or J. Rowe and, and Cymaster, uh, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys taking uh, taking some time on this Saturday night, and we're we're nerds, so this is what we do. <laughs> yeah, we're not out at the bar. We're we're talking about a, a geeky book here. So, uh, everyone. Um, uh, thanks for downloading, listening, and all that. Uh, next week, I think the week after the show goes out, I think it's going to be a guest cast uh, with Mark doing something. Got to nail that down, but I think that's what's happening. So I hope everybody uh, stays well, and uh, we'll say goodbye now. I'll stop the recording. So um, thanks, Jen. Thanks, Rick, Pete. And uh, thank you, Rick. Thank, thank you. Go. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right. We're stopping the recording, so all of you people listening, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 This has been a week old, dusty. Podcast Production.